Live from the Two Minute Jam Studios, located in the heart of the Toronto Maple Leafs hometown. We got Robbie Davidson, Travis McKenna, your favorite sports podcast hosts. Favorite Too Many Jams hosts. Yes. Um, did you watch any highlights recently? I am probably checked in on a couple. Well, chances are they weren't done by our friend uh, coming up <laughs> next because he works for Sportsnet, which is a Rogers <laughs> company. Um, yes, yeah, so our guest today works for Sportsnet, not TSN, if you recognize the intro. Uh, also, we never talk about sports here on this uh, podcast because we know nothing about them other than... We what, play, we play. Them. I mean, we play them, but uh, our knowledge, I mean, you know what? our guest has a lot more knowledge yes. and is a lot more invested in it through his job where he currently works at Sportsnet and he's going to tell us all about what he does there, primarily working with highlights and creating highlight reels, which is kind of an interesting world to both of us because I've always been curious about how they flip together these these reels so quickly. Yeah, like huge teams. Top tens and such and huge teams behind it. Like putting together every little clip. People go through the entire game and dissect it. We'll let him tell us all about it. He's our uh, university roommate. He was the president of the frat we were in. Um, one of our closest buddies from school. A hilarious dude. He's also got his own podcast and his own stuff going on and a really wicked job. Um I don't know He's what also else. got a, a special surprise for everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you know this guy, Mark Stanius, get ready to get your mind blown. Unless you have him on Facebook or Instagram, in which case you already know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which I'm sure most of his closest friends do uh, are aware of the news already. But anyways, let's get into it. Uh, let's get into it. Jam on, Trav. Jam on, Rob. Let's go! Holy shit, I hate those guys. Somebody help these twins. It's time to figure it out, Ricky. Touch me. Don't touch me. Don't fucking touch me. The name's Marcus Decimus Aurelius. Commander of the armies of the north. Father to a murdered son. Husband to a murdered wife. And I'll have my vengeance in this life or the next. Ah, <sighs> name that movie. Game of Thrones. Fuck, you're an idiot. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, Wasn't that Game of Thrones? No, it was reference? Gladiator. Oh. Uh, we're, we're joining. But speaking of Game of Thrones. I literally watched an episode this morning. Wait, is a new season out? No, I've just decided to kind of like catch up again. Get back into it. And it's, it's so different than when I first watched preparation. it. preparation. I'm kind of like actually understand what's going on now. It's a whole new world. I also might have farmed that quote. I don't know if it's like Marcus Decimus Aurelius, some like it's like some uh, commanded the armies of the north or legions. It's some fucking whatever. But I drop that line all the time. But we're joined by Mark, as we mm -hmm. probably said in the intro. If we didn't, we're we're both pretty stupid. <laughs> if, we, if we failed to mention that, Mark, Mark Stanuitz. Yeah, what? Mark Stanuitz. His I, name. It's pronounced Stanush. Stanush. Yeah, Stanyush. 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 Okay. Yeah, you wouldn't believe he's one of our best friends with that last name pronunciation. But Mark <laughs> is one of the OG frat friends that we got because right when you and I joined the frat, Mark, uh, do you remember they just wiped out everyone older than us in the fraternity? Oh yeah. The review. The I review. was around for that too. Yeah, but <clears throat> they know we're friends. We gotta. We gotta fucking tell him about the the Mark. Cause Mark was thrust into 
presidentship yes. for two years. For two years. I held the seat warm for you. Before I got in there, yeah. dude, my year was so fun compared, my, yeah. compared <laughs> to your years. Uh, yeah, a couple of rocky years, but you know, I don't regret a thing. It was definitely an experience. It was for sure. A lot of awesome. I mean, the road trip is one thing that comes to mind when I think oh, of yeah. the three of us. Oh, uh, my God. The road trip. Okay. That was a time. So let's preface a few things. Robbie and I are in a frat. We lived there. Mark uh, was in the frat. He lived with Robbie. I never lived with the three of them, but Robbie and Mark lived together uh, for a couple years. So we joined the fraternity. We had about, I had about a year, two good years. I think you had two good years as well before the review. Yeah. Robbie had one. I had one. So after two years, I'm thinking this is the biggest party in the world. I'm like, life is good. This is like Animal House. You and I, were you on the Belfour leadership trip that year? Yes, yes. So Mark, I was at that time the incoming vice president. Right. Yeah. So he, he took, at a, at a second year, like, or this was going into third year, I guess you would have been, he ran for vice president. And I don't think I ran for anything. I think I was taking someone's... You were smart. I was just smart, so yeah. they sent me. Yeah, you didn't have any positions. No, they're just year, like right? go to this leadership training. We need some. We need to like lads. Um, we show up there. We're, they sit us down with the head of our entire fraternity, which is a massive organization. This would be like sitting down with the CEO of a, a major company. Yeah, there's like 200 active chapters, so there was something like 100,000 active. Yeah, yeah. It's a big. It's a big company, and um, we're sitting at the table with this guy, two fresh faced. Uh, guys and the uh, the rest of our group it's a bit older and they basically are like yeah so time's up we're gonna gut your entire chapter and suspend you for a year well they kind of gave a, an ultimatum to the the people uh, to kind of get their act together and they were a little slow to the take not responding to emails and phone calls until but, yeah but no one knew about this, we didn't right? know about this only the only the people in charge at the time of our fraternity knew and they about just it. kind of ignored it right yeah they ignored it yeah. but we didn't know about it so mark and i are sitting there this is the first we've even heard that we're in trouble and it's suspension and we're going to kick out all your friends they flew in and i was sitting at the table like we can change like i can fix this he's like no like you don't understand it's been going on for years like you've had every chance <laughs> I'm like, okay, I see how it is. Um, they they brought in, they flew in a bunch of executives to London. They interviewed each individual member of the chapter. They had a few inside rats, I believe, as well, that were like ratting out who were like the fucking drug guys and the party guys. And they ended up wiping out everyone above second year and even half the people in second year. Start fresh and suspended us for a year. Mark took had to take over... Uh, presidency in a time when we were then also not allowed to party for like it's practically like for, the whole year. for a full year we, uh, we were off so I had to basically become the, the dad yes. and you know tell everyone no yeah you you're the fun. no fun guy yeah they, they made remember me those, remember those sheets they made us fill out too where it's like you had to fill in some of your personal information and then your GPA Oh. And except they, Dude. Have no, they have no access to your GPA. Hey, we could always say we yeah. don't know how to calculate our GPA because that's not what we use at Western. So we could always just play dumb. So, so I think the frat had the highest GPA. Oh yeah. That so year. Mark single-handedly dug our frat out of the gutter. He's the whole reason why our frat even exists into the future. So we had to write new bylaws, new everything. We had to put all the procedures in place to be like a conforming international fraternity member. Mark did all that. Uh, who's your vice president at the time? Ben Jurjevich. Ben Jurjevich. 
There you go. Um, while we're while we're on the topic of Balfour, I don't know if you've told this story on the podcast before, but um, oh, the joke with, <laughs> with the joke with Tim. Do you remember that? Mark? No, okay, remind me. Okay, fuck. Like, it's already been five minutes, and we okay. Okay, let's just go into this quick. So this leadership trip I was telling you about that Mark and I were <laughs> on gold. happens every year, and it's where the executives from all the fraternities get flown out to a big location to do leadership training. On They'll how put to do the their presidents jobs. with yeah. the presidents, the vice presidents with the vice presidents, and yeah. kind of same size chapters. You're supposed to just kind of be a think pod and kind of right. figure out what And you have the a mentor and a yep. leader, and also you do some big group stuff. Like you'll do like 300 people assemblies and stuff with, with important speakers. And um, fuck, okay, like... The executives, a lot of times, can be dweebs. You know what I mean? Weenies. <laughs> Weenies. Um, if you're, if it's a cool chapter, the executive is usually cool, hardworking. But like, if but it's the a dweeb, ones in Canada in general are kind of known to be yes less cool. So there was. Uh, we would always roll in hot with a bunch of wieners on a bus because we would scoop them all up from all the chapters around us. The wienermobile. The wienermobile, <laughs> and we'd roll down. And uh, we had a couple of shitheads. A few of our buddies, Tim uh, Tim Stewart is one of them, and uh, Alex Mercolami, who you know would definitely probably have Merc on the podcast. Shit disturbers, I'd say. And they're sitting with this one kid who, nice guy and everything, but just absolute airhead, absolute wienermobile. <laughs> And uh, they're at a 300-person assembly in front of all these, like, distinguished, like, speakers as well. Like, I think it was, like, could have been, like, the Tuskegee Airmen. Like, the, you know what I mean? Like, like distinguished people, if you have to Google what that is. Just, like, l- people. And Quick story, says Trav. We'll do it quick, he says. <laughs> yeah, this right. is all the information they need. <laughs> it's need to know. It's you need to know. Yeah. You need yeah, those you need important people. And there's 300, there's 300 other people in this assembly. And they're killing time at the end, and they go, um, does anyone have any jokes to kill time? Or like, whatever, like, we're waiting for something. And this guy leans over to Tim and Mark, and he goes, I have a joke. And he says it to Mark and Tim. And Mark and Tim, knowing... Merck, Merck Merck and Tim. And Tim. Merck and Tim, sorry. Merck, not the Mark we're sitting with, Alex Merck and we call him Merck. Merck and Tim, knowing full well, being totally socially prepared guys, understand that the joke is a massive flop understand and the and the fucking but tim lives for that tim, like, tim lives, lives for the for turkey moments so he goes they, and the guy goes should i say it and Merck and tim go absolutely that is the best joke we've ever heard you're gonna oh my god they're like pumping him up they're like you gotta say this joke the guy puts his hand up and uh they go yes over there what where are you from young man he's like ah blah 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 i'm from this chapter in canada you go oh a canadian in the building awesome like let's see what's your joke and the guy goes um what do sorority girls and tampons have in common the guy doesn't even ask what the kid just goes they're both stuck up cunts (laughs) i'm talking crickets 300 people crickets absolute crickets everyone's looking at this guy the guy at the front is floored the only two people <laughs> laughing are Merck and Tim they're literally peeing themselves and uh, the guy basically immediately goes I guess that's a quality we get out of Canada and everyone's like boo USA USA a big USA chant starts spreads out like we literally <laughs> so good oh that's a good rip <laughs> I don't even know where we're talking about. Um, let's let's catch up though. A little catch up with Mark. We've uh, yeah. What's we going get, on lately? If we got time at the end, we'll go into the road trip because I was oh, yeah. fucking yeah and the frat stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Mark, what's happening lately? Tell us a little bit. I just told you guys a couple 
well, a couple things. Well, big news though was I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to oh have a kid, which I'm not God. supposed to say. Apparently, my my wife Amelia says don't call it a kid. You heard it here first. Yeah. Wait, what do you call it then? Yeah, what do you well, call kid it? kid apparently is a baby goat, but you're supposed to say, we're expecting, or don't, as a man, don't ever say, like, we're I, pregnant. Oh, do, I ba- think, do babies get offended if they get called kids? Mothers it might 20, get it's offended. It's 2018. Yeah, I guess babies are easy if they have Twitter accounts. So, the congratulations. Thank and you. This is a, Congrats, this is a, man. Yeah. You heard it here first. Well, the thing is, this episode is going to come out in probably three weeks. Yeah. So, everyone's going to have heard by now, but just so you all know out there, we heard before you. Okay, he told us before you, so we're cooler. Um, but we'll just release this later. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's scary, but it's exciting. Um, my wife is my wife. My what, wife. What's um, the one thing you're most scared about? It being a girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, jokes aside, that's not. A, I feel like not that's really not a joke. A joke. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea how to raise a, a, a girl, eh? Um, I raised my dog. Well, that's not a great example. But you did, um, well, you did an awful job with that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that dog pissed and shit all over your room that I moved into. Oh, and yeah. my room. And yeah, like absolutely. And so, Logan's bed that one time. Uh, the funny, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully your daughter sounds, doesn't sounds do okay. that. Uh, but what am I most scared of? Um, I, every income, first time father's got to be scared of like they're going to do it wrong. Can do we pay, it wrong. I don't know what it is, but just. Yeah. Well, also, yeah. can we paint a picture? You're 25 years old. Just turned 26. 26. They're 26 years yeah. old. And um, he's 26, he has a house, he's married, and he has a kid on the way. Put together. So this this is probably the farthest in a different direction guest that we've had so far. From us, too. From us, from all the other guests. We're talking married, kid on the way, house, and we need to know what this jam is like. Because what was the line I gave you when you told me you were getting married a couple years ago? Uh, that... I was either the stupidest or the smartest person being the first guy to get married that you knew. You're also the first guy to have a kid that I know. Same thing applies. And uh, do you want to chat a little bit about your philosophy that you were mentioning uh, before we got on? Yeah. About, um, about the way you're sort of... It's a good way to kind go, of launch going everything. About and it's just... Everything? I, I look back to when I even got engaged. And I mean, I was... I kind of knew. when. I mean, they always say when you meet the right one, you know. And I, I kind of believe that. Um, but it doesn't mean you're necessarily ready to get married. It doesn't mean, like you may, everyone has different values in um, marriage and you know, you can, you can love someone without necessarily getting married. But then when I kind of felt that, I don't want to say pressure, but I think you guys kind of understand what I'm saying that um, my wife, Amelia was certainly ready. I, my first hesitation was I don't have a job at this time. I was, I had come back and reentered school um, I had graduated from Western, took a couple years off, uh, moved up to my cottage in Wasega Beach, just working at the mountain, Blue Mountain, uh, sales. Didn't know anybody when I moved up there, which I guess was kind of my first leap of faith, was just kind of after those two years of being president of the fraternity. Um, I kind of need like to decompress a little bit, just get away from living with 10 guys and having another 30 guys come over every other night, it seemed. Uh, I got a dog. And uh, my mom didn't want me getting a dog. The same Zoe that was pissing and shitting all over your rooms. Can you say how you got the dog? Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, so in the fraternity, we have uh, an event at Sigma Chi called Derby Days. And the premise of Derby Days is a competition between the sorority. So there's a couple different events, like a 
pageant, uh, a coffee house that could be like a bake contest kind of thing. And one of the big point getters, we, we skewed the points to make this a big point getter, was a uh, dog tag. So every brother received a dog tag. Uh, executives received two dog tags. People that were willing to help put together these events, there's another dog tag. And uh, essentially, the sorority girls had to get these dog tags. And they weren't like just like trying to rip them off you. They had to do something for the dog tag. Yeah, like can I can I deliver you McDonald's yeah. to the library for your dog tag? <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, it's it sounds more. misogynistic. It kind of is, but I think like you know, I mean, we it, it could be flipped around either way too, right? Like the sororities could have the dog tags and you'd be doing fun stuff. You know? It's, yeah, we yeah. do stuff for sororities as well. Yeah. This I is mean, just our event. In one year, I had, for example, I did have one of the girls come over and clean our kitchen, which was like worth more than a dog. Spoiler alert. Um, what happened <laughs> with the dog was I had literally was taking a bus to meet Katie Westwood, yeah. a friend of ours. Um, and she was a sorority girl and I was just on the bus to go have wings with her and I saw a cute dog on the bus and I got there and I said to Katie, I saw a cute dog. And she's like, oh, I'm going to give a dog. I might be giving a dog to one of the one of your brothers for a dog tag. It was Jonah. Yeah. How fast but mm. that never materialized. And I said, you can do that. Like, you can just give willing, a dog. Like, let me see a picture of these dogs. <laughs> you have dogs she, to give away. She shows, so apparently uh, her dog, her Bernie's Mountain dog, is the stud for her neighbor who are breeders. She shows me these like six fucks. puppies. <laughs> <laughs> He's a dog, dog fucks. Um, <laughs> and I look at these puppies, and they, these are like purebred Bernie's Mountain dogs. Like, these aren't like mutts. Yeah. And I was like, I want one. Like I'm, I am so down. And uh, yeah, so my last month and a half before I graduated, I brought a puppy into the an fraternity house. An absolute piss and shit machine. <laughs> a puppy in the fraternity house. And not the cleanest house. Either. No. Like it's not the safest place for a dog. I'm surprised no. I didn't get every hepatitis. Oh, everybody was like, that was my that was my biggest fear. Yeah, that was like way a bigger fear. environment for it. Way bigger fear than becoming a father. But was, legitimately, yeah. we, we had a frat dog, just yep. like the house in the States do, which was cool for a month and a half. But you kind of missed out because the next year she gave a horse to someone, and that is not even a joke. It was actually the previous year she gave it to oh. Austin. Oh. But Austin, that's... I, that's a whole different story. He, that, he never like he never assumed real ownership yeah. of it. The yeah, he, like, he went to go visit it once. He or went twice. to visit a few times and then was like, "What are the stabling fees?" Okay, you can have it back. It's glue factory. <laughs> so he traded the dog tag to visit a horse. A couple I think times. he named it glue. He named it glue because yeah. that's where it went. <laughs> but um, so I went back to the moving up. So I yes, took this yeah. dog. My mom didn't want really to deal with it at that time. So I said, "Why not move up, decompress, go to the, to." Take this leap of faith, I guess, and live at my cottage, which I was and how blessed long were you there to have. For? Uh, eighteen months. Okay. Eighteen months. So um, that's actually where I met my wife. She is a teacher. She was a teacher too back then. But in the summer, she just picked up a little extra work at various jobs in Blue Mountain. As a lot of you know, there's a lot of seasonal work there all year round. It seems actually at Blue Mountain, and yeah, met her there, and decided at that time that uh, I was going to be going back to school. And I, when I first moved up, part of my plan was to build a portfolio to go into Masters of Journalism. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be, become a journalist. I didn't have like, I, ideally, you know, do something fun, work in the toy factory, as they say, which is like sports. But, you know, at that point, I would have been grateful for any job if I was covering some political beat here or there. 
but uh, I didn't really have the portfolio that I had hoped that I was going to have. Like I was always. Like what were you doing through school and stuff, journalism wise? Unfortunately, nothing. Yeah. Because of the fraternity. Well, that, I mean, you're in an MIT program, yep. which is kind of uh, has that aspect to it. And right? I did have a couple articles skills. in the in the Western Gazette, mm-hmm. uh, video game reviews. You might remember I pl- I locked myself <laughs> in my room and played Grand Theft Auto Five <laughs> I remember for like that. I just that. eight yeah. hours a day to write this 400 word review. And uh, didn't you beat it in like a day or two? No, well, not in, in these like three or four days I did which was yeah. is pretty insane fee because it was pretty big but you know someone's got to do it someone's got to <laughs> go through the hard the hardship what's funny video games that comes up it's because like that was always really one of my first passions like before I was some super athletic jokes aside yeah um, what, what, athlete of the year what a- year athlete, I was homeschooled but I was the athlete of the year <laughs> in high school uh, no I, I was my high school athlete of the year and, and I mean I don't want to say it was. A, I don't want to say it was a pity award. I won't give myself that much self. Uh, until cr- until you and Tim had a competition to see who could get fatter. Yeah, <laughs> in a summer. <laughs> well, the, the thing about that was I, I always loved sports in in univer- in high school. I just played on every team. Like I was just mm-hmm. the guy that like was the, not the best person on any team, but on every team. And um, I always loved sports. But back then, it was like uh, thinking about sports in a journalistic kind of view versus playing them i had like a very kind of pleasure and work divide there right um and video games are always my passion ever since i was a kid and i had like nintendo power magazines Spe- speaking of this the frat- fraternity house we had like uh, 150 nintendo power issues just in our library yeah we call it oh yeah uh, the yeah. library actually has a lot of cool time capsules yeah uh, mm. the, the national geographic magazines from all the years like all the encyclopedias and then a, any book that any frat guy in the last 50 years thought was worth leaving is in there collecting dust along with these nintendo power so when i was a kid i remember opening nintendo power when i was like six or seven years old and reading their video game reviews for the n64 games and being like someone's getting paid to do this this is what I want to do. And, and for the longest time, that was kind of my dream was to do that. And, and it, it had always changed a little bit. Like my, my mantra, even from a very young age, was something that I took from a close family friend. Have you got, do you guys have big families like cousins and yeah, uncles? I got, yeah, I got big families. Yeah. yeah. So I have no cousins whatsoever. Um, one uncle, a little bit estranged, if that's the right word. But we had a, a fake aunt. Families that don't have like, a lot of uncles and aunts we have like fake aunts like oh aunt yeah. ruth like, like and, close family friends yeah. And, yeah and so we had aunt ruth and she would always babysit us usually for a week once like, one we meet week her at the no. at the no no it, it, that was uh, things that changed so. a bit okay. before then but aunt ruth i remember her telling me i actually remember where it was too on the highway uh she was driving us somewhere and she was complaining about her like her banking job or whatever and i had a lot of respect for aunt ruth she would like i said babysit us for a, a week at a time when my parents were away on uh, a trip whether they went to bahamas or something right and she always said, just get a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And it's not a unique saying. It's not, I don't think Aunt Ruth yeah, created Yeah, she, she fucking ripped she that ripped one. That, she ripped this one. But I, I just remember having a lot of respect for her and like always taking that to heart and thinking that's what I want to do. I don't, I don't need to make hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars. I just don't want to work. Like I'm lazy. Like I just want to do something fun. And um, I always thought having people read my work and that, and I did... I was the, what do they call it, the the head of sports for my high school newspaper, which was one of the more respected high school newspapers in Toronto. It was they they were one of the few monthly publications, not like a daily thing, but um, humble brag, humble, humble brag. And 
yeah humble brag athlete of the year yeah. i was made sure not to include myself in articles when i wrote i was so humble uh, that i would okay. write and i would just like admit the fact that you know you scored I two sc- touchdowns or yeah, something that was my one my one game i scored yeah. two well, touchdowns were the only game but yeah. what was that what was that one video game you really liked just what i'm thinking peggle about. peggle yes peggle. okay i can't remember um, the name of it but so i always love these video games i had this kind of portfolio building of some video game reviews here and there and when I moved up to the, this cottage, I didn't really know anyone. It wasn't a family cottage. I didn't have like a lot of family friends or like neighbors that I knew. I just was kind of a lonely experience. I was very grateful to have my dog, but I, I did kind of dive myself into writing and I was writing a lot about sports. I'm uh, just on a sports blog, like a little platform is called sportsblog.com even. And you just kind of like, they give you the URL and you could just write away. And, uh, I finally did submit my application to uh, Western Master of Journalism. Hard no. Hard no. Hard no. Like, I didn't get the marks I needed, first of all, when I was at university. I wasn't, like, I wasn't a bad student. Well, no, I was a bad student. I wasn't, like, a terrible student, but I did pour a lot of myself into fraternity. Yeah, I, dude. I, I did. Like, it was a full-time I, yeah. job, especially doing the stuff yeah. that you had to do, the rebuilding. It was fucked. It, it was, was. Fucked. And all the email coordination that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, okay. You're running an organization. Job. It's got a budget. It's got share stakeholders, not shareholders. You got eighty delinquent people underneath you that you need to organize and manage. It is a and job. Like 60, 70 percent of them are impossible to sort of, um, you know, get answers from or interact with. You know, on a reasonable level to the, to make things happen. Right. The best way I ever heard it described was, and I think obviously Trav, being in my position that one year, can appreciate this. Is like when you are a CEO of a company. You are paying your employees tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars, and it's difficult to get them to mobilize and do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. In a fraternity, you are asking your 50 employees, I say that in quotations, to pay you money. Yeah. And then you're supposed to boss them around. Yeah. Well, not, and boss them around might not be the best term. I mean, you, good leaders can find ways. And I'm, you know, I don't think I was ever the best leader and I had my struggles too, but like it is a tough, it was a tough job and it did take that toll on my, I my think dream were, at the time. You were yeah. perfect for the ex- that exact time period. You were the right guy to do that. No one else could have done that. I appreciate that. No yeah. one else could, there was nobody else in that room that, that could have put up with it. And for two years also. The second year was back. much better, I'll admit. I'll, and I'll admit that after the first year, I was kind of ready to, um, step aside and I was kind of done and, and burnt out from it. And I had been kind of grooming Ben Jurjevich, but uh, for reasons and I completely respect them, he kind of, um, I don't want to use the term cold feet, but decided at the end that it wasn't quite his year to uh, take that step. And um, he had a lot of school stuff, man. Like, yeah, he no, could, no, I he, fully respect he, it. He couldn't have, he, he absolutely couldn't have. And then once that came down, there was a little bit more pressure from the external um, forces, these higher uppers that, uh, if the right leader wasn't, if there wasn't a uh, a leader they thought was adequate next year, that there would be another review. So it basically was kind of forced upon me again, but I was so grateful I actually did it because the second year was so much more fun. We didn't yeah. have, you know, I think we were in suspension that first year for like three quarters of it, essentially. Yeah. The second year was like, was getting back to normal, right? Like it was still, there were some of the fallout and scars from the review, but we were kind of taking that first step into putting it behind us, I it's, think. It's a suspension. We weren't allowed to have any events all year. No liquor in the house. No nothing, unless it was for personal use. They were. We were under a microscope. They put in cameras. They literally watched us like we were on Big Brother, man, uh, for a, a year and a half. Uh, and then try being top frat at Western without being able to have parties at the house. 
It took a lot of work. We made it through. We had to recruit guys and say, trust me, the future is bright. Like, remember how cool we used to be? That's coming. It's fucking coming. But just kind of get back on track about that leap of faith. Um, once I found out I wasn't going to get into the master's journalism, I wasn't ready to kind of like give that up. I wasn't ready to just live at Blue Mountain for the rest of my life. Um, and I kind of just looked at the, I don't, I can't remember the, the moment I stumbled upon it, but I, I think I was simple as a Google search of just like sports journalism college and like looking for that specific specialized college. And I ended up going to Centennial College or applying to Centennial College in Toronto, just a Danforth and Pape kind of area. And I don't think I needed my university education to get in, right? They're not they're not really turning that many people aside as many community colleges are. They're you know, they're looking for Yeah, with their with, buck. Yeah, with the colleges these days, I think they sort of realize that um, um, for these specialized programs, you know, that uh, people going to university, they're not really getting much out of it anyways, right? So it's like, go to these colleges and they're not asking for many pre Dude, prerequisites. Colleges right? are the most underrated Agreed. form of ap applied education out there. People come out of college making more money. They are more likely to get a job. And the only thing you don't get is that snooty, hold your nose up high, went to Western and fucked mm -hmm. off for four years and learned nothing. Yep. I remember, I remember in high school, not to go, but I, I love this point because I've always kind of said this in, in high school, or back then I was brainwashed, and that's my point. In high school, there was a bit of a brainwashing, I felt, in effect, of like, especially, I know you, you went to private school, Robbie, public, public school. Public school. Yeah. I was a public school kid, and so there was this divide, and they originally called it academic and applied in grade 9 and 10, and then in, and then in 11 and 12, it was straight up university and college. But there just seemed like there was always this negative, like, divide they're like oh it's applied versus like academic right and there was totally kind of just looking down on the college kids but every kid that that went to college with with at least a vision of what they wanted to be right like especially with these specialized colleges you find um with that passion already in mind instead of being like i'm gonna go to western and discover myself right like yeah which basically means doing lsd and like fucking it's like yeah going to party orgies, for four yeah. years and then at the end of it all be just as lost yeah that's not our story by the way i'm just yeah. I'm, we're, <laughs> we're making fun of those people yeah um so yeah it was it was a weird leap of faith and it was around that time that i had applied to the school and almost committed to it that i had met my wife at the time and how'd you guys meet she came to work at my department. So she, first yeah. time she ever worked at the, in oh, this an department. office romance. You do kind of look like Jim. I've gotten that before, actually. Holy shit. Now that you're saying it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, you know what? Holy. F I, Yo, think, I can kind of see let's it, Let's put actually. up a face of him and Jim on the picture for the episode. Okay. Wow. I'm into it. Okay, keep going. Sorry. And, uh... Yeah, I just, um, your typical office romance. I think I asked her out over email, like a joking email. You and, would, uh, you fucking piece of shit, motherfucker. <laughs> that is just so Mark, man. Classic. And uh, I think I asked her to, um, there's something called Elvis Fest. Do you guys? <laughs> so the Elvis Fest is like the big the big summer event every year. In, and email in, yes, I remember to Elvis Fest. And I, and I asked her, and then like we were walking past the performances, and I was like, let's go to this bar in the thing. And she's like, I thought we were going to Elvis Fest. It's like. Oh, I didn't actually want to go to Elvis fast. Like, I was clearly nervous, and now she out on a date kind of thing, right? Um, so at this time, you know, very quickly, I we found that we had this connection, and that um, whether I go back to home to Toronto to go to school, that we'd probably stay together. And she's um, from up there. She is from the Collingwood area, and you know, there's a little bit of a leap of faith there, like 
putting my heart into this relationship while knowing that I'm going to be moving away. Um, but I kind of knew and I still had that going back to what I first said, that idea that's like the traditional get a job, find a wife, have kids, kind of that thing. And you did find a wife, go to college, get a job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You had had get a dog, find a wife, go to college, get a job, have a kid. Yeah. You just shuffled it up a little bit. But even the house too, (laughs) which I'll get into was, was a bit before the job was really concrete. Wow. You're out of control. Um, the job was um, was awesome, and of this program I went to, this sports journalism program, it was one year, full intensive, 12 months. Um, so, so wait, just to recap here, you were up in Collingwood for 18 months, yes. and that's uh, when you came back is about the time that you started this program? So I met my wife in the, she started finishing school, and I met her in July yeah. of this, near this uh, 14 months into my whatever, or 12 months into my 18 months, I've been up there. And I met my wife, and at this time I'd already accepted to start in January. Yeah. So I had about four months in the area with my new girlfriend, I guess. Um, I guess, girlfriend, before going back to Toronto. And went back to Toronto. The program was cool. The program had about 30 kids with within the first month and a half. It probably whittled down to 24 who just thought it wasn't for them. And, you know, it's far from everyone who was in that program found a spot like not everyone in that program landed a position but it gave do, us a lot of awesome opportunities and inroads to do that do you did you find that being in such a specialized program that you gelled a lot with all the people that were in the class like you got along well with everyone because they were all sort of there with the same uh, intentions yeah uh, there was definitely a couple outliers that there are as there are in any group of that size. Yeah. But um, there was a handful of them that went to my wedding, a handful of them that I still talk to very regular. One of them that um, I do a podcast with basically weekly, um, who was lucky enough to also kind of land in Sportsnet. And yeah, it, it, it was awesome to be around those like-minded people, right? Yeah. And to kind of see that uh, your passion is shared by other people. But it also, in a weird way, and this is kind of maybe the way I'm wired, but it also was like... A, bit of a measuring stick too in terms of like this jaw this is a very uh, tight industry there's not that many people so where how do i size up against this is my essentially my competition for people looking for jobs and it sounds like a kind of a cold way of looking at it no i i totally get what you're saying because uh with travis and i playing in the band or just like when we're doing acoustic things i find myself constantly comparing to like whenever we're out and there's live music i like i don't know if you do this personally I take a mental note of yeah, right. If someone's bad, I just I'm like, oh, that person's bad. But or if we're better, I'm like, oh, we're just better. But I, th- I, think, I think it's completely natural just to like stack yourself up against uh, whatever else is. I out mean, the there unhealthy way of to doing, see, yeah, the unhealthy way of doing that is looking and being like, oh, I'm better than this, 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 and this. I, oh, uh, my professor says only ten out of thirty of you are going to find a job, and I'm going like, well, there's twenty people I'm better than. It's more being like these guys are the best. I need to like. Yeah, push myself to do as much they're doing or more, which yeah. was kind of a good environment to be in. I felt. Yeah, it's it's inspiring in a lot of ways, right? Because w- when there are people that are better than you, it's like you want to, you know, push yourself to become that good. Yeah, we talked about this with Scott a little bit. It's just yeah. like it, you're not you're not jealous or envious or or you don't have any like like negative feelings towards those people. You're just taking a mental note, like oh, I love the way that person plays guitar, mm-hmm. or like they were actually better than us, like you know like like that well, let's, let's get, get fired that up. let's yeah, get right? that yeah. yeah but anyway so this time i had i had been writing i'd always been thinking about writing i want to write i started like 
reading big books tomes. actually reading tomes. tomes but like i said okay enough of reading nfl.com's like you know no more maxim magazine percy harvin got traded to the jets like that's like just you know news and garbage or whatever i want to read like the the big the best sports books of all time kind of thing and uh you know i liked it and when i said i was measuring myself i started to kind of realize that like you know there are a few handful of people here that are maybe more talented or maybe have this knack for writing just a little bit more than me and um there was a time in the program where so they they start the first semester is all writing second semester is tv where they kind of do the ins and outs of sports television and then in the third semester you kind of make your choice and i mean it was an awesome program the first semester we ended up going we go down to spring training in florida for a week and we basically write a story a day and we're not and one group was lucky enough to actually go to the Blue Jays spring training game. I don't think they got to talk to the players, but the other one, other guys would go to their double A team or their triple A team or, oh, hey, this college um, baseball team's playing or this college soccer team's playing. And we got to like, you know, play reporter for the day and all that. And it was good real life experience. Something that you didn't really get at university. Or at least no. I felt I didn't. I was missing university. But that's when I kind of realized maybe this isn't for me. But then when I when we did the whole television side of it there was some things i interestingly compared to kind of like Being running a fraternity room yeah running a fraternity yeah. right like it the the television aspiration a lot of people think like oh do you want to be on tv you know that would be nice but i think my goal would was always kind of be like the boss behind the scenes similar to the fraternity i don't necessarily need to be the front-facing person just i like to be i was a bit of a control freak back then Passive aggressive Mark. Some people, Pam, uh, it was called. Pam, but, I forgot uh, about Pam. Uh, Smeaton, I think, came up with yes. that. He's been on this podcast. Pam, um, also another Smeaton. character on The Office. Yes, yeah, seriously, you're both. And uh, <laughs> I guess, I guess the big moment was we had a our great head of the program, Professor Malcolm Kelly. He got this awesome program in place or deal where, well, along with Paralympic Canada, that half the class would go down to Rio and cover the Paralympic Games. And the other half of the class would stay back and do like a daily highlight television show. And of course, most of the 30 people wanted to go down to Rio. And therefore- so you, The I real wanted, opportunity was here. They wanted to take over behind the scenes. So at first, my initial reaction was like, no, I want to beat everyone who else want, who wants to go to Rio. So I'm gonna apply, prove to myself that I could have been chosen as the one to go. And then- Decline and then deny <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I, I say it like, this Machiavellian genius, but the reality was at the time I was kind of going through the steps one by one, but that was the end result. I remember pulling aside my, uh, the television teacher and telling her that like, I'm going to decline to stay with you and help do the television show. Wow. Fuck it. How and, dramatic. I like um, it. I like it. It was, it was a little overly dramatic, but like, I mean, I, and it sounds again, this is not very humble, but like, I felt like it did, uh, like, galvanize a few of the people that were staying back being like oh well, not everybody wants to go like, we're not just a rejects yeah we're like we chose yeah. to and to be, be fair there were there were several tv people that didn't even apply and like they had maybe a, even more foresight than me that that's what they wanted to do but it's, it's like it's like in uh that school of rock scene when he's choosing who's who's gonna be in the band <laughs> it's like just because you're not in the band doesn't mean you're not in the band great movie <laughs> great movie um, so this was a kind of another leap of faith where it's like forego this paid trip to, to Rio which by the way was going to be work like it was it was going to be tough work and it was tough work back at TV but also kind of make like solidify 
in my head what my dream and what my goal is and that's to work on the television side and through that i was able to kind of land an internship which was mandatory but um my internship actually was helped upon by the fraternity in an odd way that's kind of an interesting story yeah, talk about this so we're forced to get it, to find an internship and i really wanted to be in television at this time i had kind of already made this commitment and I was just, as a comeback to Toronto for school, starting to kind of get reintegrated into the alumni fraternity scene a little bit um, after my two or year and a half off of just kind of decompressing. And that was much our mutual friend, Austin Charles. He had invited me to a, a, an event here or there. And there's this one random kind of out of the blue one where it's like, oh, this, this really old Sigma Chi guy is getting honored as like a into oh. the Sigma Chi ring of honor, whatever, like the yeah. equivalent and uh come by i wasn't really invited and i think i came a little underdressed but i ended up going it was like a really small group it was like what's new yeah <laughs> good one um <laughs> by the way sorry we roast mark a lot like mark like i think yeah. he roasts himself he roasts more. himself so that's just like part so, of it and he also gives it back so self-deprecating is my brand yes yeah. um and oddly enough shale shale greenberg do you remember shale he yeah, was kind yeah, of our housing core absolutely liaison between us and the old guard and he was there and he heard that I, I came up that I was in this program and he goes no way the best man at my wedding is the the producer of like the head producer of the Raptors like the Raptors actual broadcast and I was like I'd like to yeah, meet him pretty tight can you um, can you send him an email and give him a heads up and maybe I can meet him for a beer and he did so when I went in the universe like when I went to the fraternity one of the things that was like always a little bit in the back of my head was like I'm putting a lot of myself into this and most of the traditional networking avenues that can come from it were like finance mm -hmm. or like there were these very like you know traditional business roles that I didn't quite fit in the mold so I kind of in the back of my head was like I don't know if the networking is something that I'm ever going to get out of this doesn't mean I'm not going to you know, make a good impression when I when I do get a chance to meet influential people, and I guess it paid off finally in this weird shale way. So I made I made up with Dan Gladman, Raptors producer, and one beer turned into two or three, and great talk and Next all thing that. You know, you're hooking up. Um, <laughs> he's back I, at your place. I, uh, I remember talking about uh, career, and I mentioned that I I thought I was thinking about getting married at the time, and he was like, No, 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 you can't. And he's like, He's like, You're so young. You're so young. I think he was, yeah. Um, I would tell too many stories about the rest of the night. <laughs> that sounds sketchy, but no. Um, he he uh, he ends up uh, hooking me up with once yeah. again. Yeah, yeah watch the phrasing. Up. <laughs> phrasing um, the uh, John Coleman, who's the producer of Tim and Sid, which yeah. is kind of the flagship Sportsnet show. So I end up emailing this John Coleman like once, and I may have got a response. Oh yeah, like maybe I'll have you in for an interview in the next couple of weeks, and like you know. Anything who's anyone who's trying to network right now too is like don't just take no for an answer. Sometimes like what's the worst case is that the person says no again. In this case, I didn't get a hard no, but I was a little bit you know forceful. And one time, what happened was I actually ended up going to another Sportsnet interview for an internship at like a I don't want to say a lesser job but a different job. Got accepted to the job, and I came back to this John Coleman and said, Hey, I got accepted to this. I'm going to take it unless you can meet me, and we can talk about Tim and Sid. So he met me like the next day, which was nice. And I got in for a two month, three month internship Time at Tim and Sid, which was like, yeah. Time for Tim and Sid. Um, <laughs> so you worked with the, uh, Tim and Sid directly. Yes. I mean, as direct, 
it's a pretty big team. Um, as my brother, as my brother always likes to say, um, would Tim and Sid recognize you in the hall? And I say yes. And then he says, if there was a gun to their head and they had to name, <laughs> say your name, what would they say? And my response is pull the trigger because they would yeah. not know. <laughs> they would probably not know. But um, the Tim and Sid role was a role that just would like something that I would not be doing even now that I've solidified myself in the industry as a full timer, but like still at the very entry level, I'd be lucky to be doing this Tim and Sid job five years from now. Right. It was a really cool internship is what you're saying. Yeah. But I was like wildly under like experience qualified. and qualified for it too. Um, but at least I showed something where I, you know, after a couple months and what I would basically do is like, you know, when they're talking on the, on the back of the TV, they'll throw like, you know, they'll start talking about, you know, John Tavares is doing well. And all of a sudden there's like a, a highlight reel of John Tavares scoring or something. Yeah. Like I'd be putting that together. And sometimes so do you actually do the video editing or do you just pick the clips and tell a video editor what to do? The latter. There okay. is a video editor who are, they're a separate, they're even in a separate, like they're in their own union. Mm -hmm. They're like the whole technical side and we're the editorial so side. So you're like this game, this time, that goal, this game, this time, that goal. Bingo. Uh, Bingo. Uh, so you, you rewatch all the, uh, all the sports and, and everything and then pick out the, t uh, the stuff that you think would be relevant for them to talk so, about. So, I mean, Without, I mean, I think I signed in some NDA, so I'm going to go in kind of broad strokes. But I don't think any of this is like super deep oh, insider gotcha, knowledge. Gotcha, yeah. But Tim and Sid, for example, I would come in day, I would just sit there with the show lineup, and every so often an item would pop up, and then you'd have Carey Price, good role. And I just have to find Carey Price clips, and I'd have to use Being my. Being good. <laughs> exactly. I'd have to use my editorial judgment. Make sure that the clips are like the best, cleanest looks and replays of everything. Make sure that that it's not too old of a clip and you know likewise it might be carrie price bad role i have to do the same thing but opposite little things like that did they ever give you a weird one like like carrie price looking like a potato or something and you're like all right that's a good one like are they doing a joke you know like like not, nothing like that no, no no not really like that and it was like an this intern, guy with foreign accents no, anything like that during no this isn't jane dan okay <laughs> that's 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 probably what happens on Jay and Dan. Dan. You guys, like, do you guys watch any highlights now? Just, so just Jay and Dan, and I'll, I'll watch him and sit sometimes when it's on. So you guys will watch like Jay and Dan. I know they do like their late night show, and then I'm gonna pretend I, like I don't know. I watch it on <laughs> guys. I think I've heard of them. Um, I just watch it on repeat sometimes when I'm home. It's just on like back to back, and I just do work, and I'll just like look yeah. up and yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. You guys watch used that to watch often. highlights all the time, though, right? Yeah, only when it was on. When I was at the younger. House. No, not like when you, I'm saying. Oh, I'm talking about when it you were younger like i remember when no, i was zero kid, before high school no before high school like yeah. eight to eight thirty every single morning in the i'd morning, probably watch yeah, catch up a little bit yeah sleep was more my thing in the morning things have changed a lot though highlights aren't quite exactly what they're supposed to be and now that's kind of my role now so once i did the tim and sid i did enough that they basically gave me one more month internship of course oh we reward your internship with another internship <laughs> i got a chance to do what i am doing now essentially the, the most entry-level job which was back then called a broadcast associate now is called a content associate because we we diversify, you know? We, we'll do mm -hmm. YouTube, we'll do this and that, but back then, broadcast, and that's what I'm basically doing today. And it boils down to, you come in, you have a game. Back then, when I was an intern, you have, you know, four OHL games. Robbie, I know that fires you up. Big London Knights guy over here. <laughs> Go Knights! Um, and, and you're watching this OHL broadcast, and your job is twofold. The mundane, job the mundane part of it is you're archiving the clips so like there are people that are making the tim and sid guys who need to make the carry price good roll they have to just they just have to type carry price save and all the saves pop up because somebody is 
is on a program clipping every single save marketing holy shit you oh, know so they have a yeah. huge backlog of all of these players and all of the plays and like every across every sport so that it's super easy for them to dive into you know when they yep. want to when, when they want to do like a top 10 or something they're like most outrageous moments in sports history and That's they can easily so just pull them up cool. and put them in right yeah and i mean it, it sounds cool until like so you, you have to break yeah. a hockey game into 210 different like little bite-sized it, clips. It, is and that how many would come out of one hockey game? Uh, like on average? On average, without – so there's – if you took away the – okay, including the pre and the post game, and then there's also something in hockey where we get at the end uh, – like uh, we get the feed directly from the truck, and at the end of a day, they'll send down like the clean, unadulterated, no like score bug. None of that. No announcers. They'll just send like the goal, but from like every single camera in the place. So you have to pick the best angle as well. No, you have to. When they send you this, which is considered premium footage because not everyone gets it. This is part of like NHL. Sportsnet bought the NHL deal like for four point eight right. billion dollars for a couple of years ago. Like this is considered top stuff. So you have to be very like meticulous and cutting it. It's kind of the worst part of the job is these yes. specific things. But a hockey game could could be anywhere between one hundred and seventy to two hundred and fifty clips is it a team working on it or do you get one game yourself so things are changing and that, i don't want to get too much into that normally like the, the old model was like y you have a game you answer to a senior and the senior is answering to a, a highlight supervisor so like that senior may have four guys doing what i'm doing and all of us are working on a couple games one after another and he has to then you know work with his editor so it's not it's not everyone in the house going to the editors and swamping them it's kind of like this funneling down system so, if if Sportsnet owns the the rights to the NHL, so T, like if TSN wants to use clips and stuff, do they do you have some sort of deal where they? Like I'm not privy to those details. Very few people, very, very few people are. But yes, there is there is some exchange, and a lot of it, I think, without this is pure speculation from where I'm sitting in the industry, is it's like you have rights to this, we have rights to this. Let's just play Let's nice. Trade. And there's also things to do with. Um, like news laws where like certain things are just like public public um uh, okay but uh but, but they wouldn't have the that, melt for well, example that yeah. good footage yeah. maybe let's not get so technical yeah. let's maybe not get so technical here um and say kind of broad so so where does this sports what's like where does the future of this job take you like what's the kind of direction so many different ways my dream and this may change actually now that I have a kid on the way. Not a kid, not a baby goat. I have. I am pregnant, or we're pregnant. Oh or my god! Uh, <laughs> I am we pregnant. Expecting. We are pregnant. Yeah. My wife is pregnant. Um, we're expecting. Yeah, uh, would be to do what Dan Gladman, the guy that I had met up with, Shale hooked me up with the the uh, Raptors producer, and that is he had, he goes with the team. So he must be best friends with Kyle Lowry, but no, he travels with the with the team. <laughs> or Kawhi to. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually pretty good. Thanks, dude. Um, he, he goes to all these places. He's in the truck. He's, as a producer, working with a director. And those two, as like the two top dogs, are picking, you know, what camera shot. Like between a play, like there's 15 cameras in that place. Like they could be looking at any different player or scene or maybe a fan or this or that. And it's and choosing those, yeah. which one, which camera angle is best to be showed. For replays too. And you have now, of course, in the truck, you have people that are rolling back the replays to find the right spot. You have people that are putting up the, the boards, as we call them, mm -hmm. sometimes lower Scores thirds and, or yeah. tombstones where it's like it explains stats and all that. Mm -hmm. And those are more entry-level jobs. 
not entry level. That's still far beyond where I am. But that would be a stepping stone to work in the truck, as they do say. You, cool. Do you deal with replays at all? Well, yeah. So the other part of my job, aside from archiving, is to make the highlights, which mm-hmm. is like the fun, creative part, the part that I'm growing every day and learning so much. And if I look back at what I did when I first started, I can like laugh at it. And it's, you know, picking the editor that we work with their role is to fulfill the editorial vision of us and when i first started i don't think i really like took that bull by the horns and ran with it like i would say like okay i I was really focused on play selection okay an ohl game it's a busy night there's so much going on i can only pick two goals from this ohl game and it's you know, it's an OHL game. So you know how it's like a seven, four game usually. Right. Like, so am I picking like the game winning goal? Okay. No, that was a dumb, you know, like re- bad rebound or something. Or am I picking the, the goal from the, maybe the top prospect next year? That's probably a good place to start. And it's like trying to make that editorial judgment. But the next step is to like really find what the best viz as we call it, the best, best footage is. And there's two ways to kind of tackle it. And I'll just quickly say that, like, without getting too inside baseball, I guess, is that sometimes you have really good script. Sometimes you you want to say something. So Kyle Lowry, I'll use the Raptors as an example because I'm doing the Raptors game tonight, which is awesome. I get to, I've been doing a lot of Raptors games, which is fun. Um, that's Kyle, a, wait, wait, that, that's another thing I wanted to ask you also. Sure. Is, like, how do you, like, do your sports switch up, like, when you go in there? I've done, name a sport, and I've done it. I've done. Ooh, um, so, so, you're, so you're not, like like always on hockey or always on I've been lucky this season to have done the Raptors every time I've been in and the Raptors are playing with the exception of one I've done swimming wow swimming diving (laughs) curling um rugby they call me CFL Mark I do a lot of CFL games because I just like I when it was it was August in the middle of summer like baseball and there's like two baseball games in a row you're watching like the Arizona Diamondbacks and the San Diego Padres for four hours and then the next game is like two other teams I don't give a shit about I was like kill me just like give me a a CFL game and everyone's like laughing like you want CFL it's also a TSN property so there's like a little bit of a yeah looking down and I was like anything Anything it's not baseball and uh, so they started calling me CFL Mark which is pretty funny but you know sports is very so today is is a basketball day for me I'm doing the Raptors game and then I'm doing uh, a Spurs game. So so let's escape the technical chat. Wait, and, wait, and I did want to finish that one point. point. Which it, one? It, wait, just which like point? With having like a script. So I have something really yeah. important to say. Kyle oh, Lowry. Pff, Kyle totally Lowry, forgot about that. Kyle Lowry makes this really good assist. He's leading the league in assists. So I want to like say, oh, he adds to his league leading assists with this whatever dish. I need to find something to get that script in, right? So it's like the script takes precedent. I need to find, it could be a fan going crazy. It could be a really good replay, but maybe there isn't a good replay. Maybe it's just him like backing up on the court where it's sometimes like when you have good script, you gotta just find something to fill. Then there's times where it's like you have a shot that's so amazing, right? Like a crazy fan look or this replay is just like you have to see it. And then you're kind of like, looking for some script to kind of fill it out. And there's a balance between that. Oh, that's yeah, super I, I, interesting. That makes sense. Uh, so will a lot of the times they'll give you a script? No. So no, I'm, he's, writing he's the, I'm writing the script. Like oh, he's I, talking about mentally kind of oh, like... Oh, mentally. Yeah. Okay, so you're not working with, um, uh, with with something that's been given to you no. about like the players that they want to touch on the next day. Or, you, you, you figure it out all yourself, right? So like, yeah. that's where you really need... like Script is interchangeable with story. It's yes. in, it's, yeah. he's, he's like, what, okay. you, what, what story are you trying to tell? Sometimes there's a good story and he's trying to find a clip to match that story. Yeah. 
Yeah. And sometimes there's an amazing clip and he's trying to find a story to build yes. into that Okay, clip. that's yes. cool. I've yeah. never thought about it that way. It, it's crazy. Like when I was watching, you know, Jane Dan when I was a kid, I took everything for granted. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people do. When they watch the, the Leafs and they see everything, they're just like, this is coming on my TV and I'm watching the Leafs. But they don't realize like how many hundreds of decisions are being made every minute seemingly like what camera angle what what the announcers are saying what's this and that to really like put this all together and i i'm fascinated by it i i feel like i'm learning i feel like i have a lot to learn um so like i like i said my foot's just in the door i'm working on raptors games now which is a far cry from the london knights games i was doing like a, a year and a half ago when i first kind of started and and it's awesome, but a uh, lot lot of lot of ways to grow for sure. Well, okay, then the only cool. reason sorry sorry to I cut in there, but I just want to keep things moving because we're reaching the end of this episode, um, if not a little long. Um, and I did want to fit in um, your life, yes, what life's like, your thoughts on the decisions you've made, where you're going, your kind of philosophy, just to wrap things up, sort I, of deal. We did kind of deviate from that. Sorry about that, but what it came down to was. I, I looked at a map here. So I, I'm, I figured out I am now a freelancer. I was a freelancer for a long time at Sportsnet. From the February of 2017 until May of 2018, I was a freelancer. I was working. I, I was lucky to get three or four shifts a week. I'm not making very much money here. I was finding ways to supplement my income, doing copywriting on the side, all that. Really grateful that I had um, Amelia to kind of help support me as a yeah. full-time teacher, but she didn't have a job either when we first got married. I looked at a map. I did the old, like, you know, put a pin down and like a string and kind of looked around and said, Amelia, we're getting married. We're engaged at this point. You have to find a job. Like it's, we've taken this leap of faith, but being flexible. So taking that leap of faith, but understanding that like you've now put yourself in a corner, you kind of have to like, I guess, fight your way out. In this case, it was, First step is Amelia finding a job. And I said, you could work in Aurora. You can work in Pickering. You can work in, like I said to myself, I'm willing to commute an hour and 15 minutes to work if I have so to. So you drew a circle around yeah. basically yeah. downtown Toronto. Instead of being like, you have to work in Toronto, like we're getting married. Being flexible and finding a partner who who brings that out in you is, is a huge plus. But we ended up, through some leap of faith, she found this job in, in Brampton at a great Christian private school. She loves it. And we said, okay, let's buy somewhere near near there. And buying was, you know, I don't want to come here and be like, I bought a house. Everyone needs to buy a house. Like it is a blessing. And it what we are very lucky to have the support of our family, in particular, my mom, um, who sold the cottage that I was living at to help us kind of get that start. So, you know, I'm super grateful and I think now it would be a little bit more possible to do that because I now am full-time um, but when I wasn't you know you, you didn't even have a full-time job at this yeah. point yeah. so I actually I until this May so I was working until May as a freelancer and then they they let all the freelancers at Sportsnet go pretty much cold turkey at that time there was a one full-time position that was open and um, no one could tell you that you got it, right? No one is allowed to tell you that. And I've, I mean- You saw you were getting let go. I had a feeling. I, I had a good feeling about where I was in my work life that at that time, I had just done a couple big Raptor games. And I think 
that they too are trying to instill a little bit of confidence in me knowing that this was impending to happen where it's like some other freelancers assignments may have been wrapping down a bit mine were kind of ramping up i got you um so i felt very confident but that was still like an incredibly scary it ended up being about three weeks before i found the news and then another three weeks before i actually got back into the office um but with that whole leap of faith the same way when i proposed to her i was still a student not without an internship but I knew wherever my life was going that that was going to be a key part of it. My marriage with Amelia. And the rest is going to fall into place because it kind of has to fall into place, right? And you're going to, if you go in with that mindset, you're going to kind of push those pieces along as long as you're flexible. I think that's an important part too. Like it sounds like, you know, both sides of the coin, but there, there's that important ability to to have a dream. Like I wanted to be a video game writer, but but letting it move and sway, but with still keeping this one shining star in my head, which is now it's like, be happy with a happy, fa- happy, healthy family doing a job that doesn't feel like work. I don't need to make $100,000 and live in Toronto and have all that. Like, you, you know, you have to value what's most important to you and put that above all else and just let the pieces fall where they are and, and be satisfied with that leap of faith. You know what this mm-hmm. reminds me of? It reminds me of a little bit of that like special thing that I thought Brandon Metcalf talked about, how he was just kind of more focused on the big things he wanted to do and not at all like worried about the little things, like where do I live? Where, do I get, where am I gonna get my money? Mm-hmm. Whereas I go the other way up. I go, okay, what big thing do I want to do? All right, how do I get there? Where am I going to live? And I get bogged down. And he just would take leaps of faith, like move, take this big shift and all that. And the little pieces ended up falling in because he kind of backed himself into a corner. And It's it's a different philosophy uh, from like what we've spoke about Ben, where we spoke with Ben about, you know, about how he's more process oriented, like do the little things and then you, you sort of eventually get to the big places that you want to be. But I I wonder if they're mutually exclusive and that's something we can kind of like break down and think about. But you know what I'm saying? Because Ben is a process guy. If you do the process day to day and you do those things day to day, that's going to create this life you want to live, you'll get there. And that's a philosophy that's worked for a lot of people. And, uh, and you're, and I'm not saying like, I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive, but what you're kind of talking about is you focus on the big decisions and make sure you made those big decisions, right. And you were flexible with the little things and the little things kind of fell in and it's working really well for you. Bingo. So I wonder, I wonder what the, I wonder if there is a way to be process oriented and, and focus on the big things. And that's something maybe we can wrap our head around another, uh, on our off time and talk yeah, about it in an episode, episode, but a few questions I have for you. Um, Have you ever thought about doing replays for Twitch? Or what's that big gaming it's network? It's funny you say that. Yeah, I've, um, so Twitch is the, the platform. I guess you make your yeah. own channel. Um, you know what? Like, it's tough. It's like a, it's a big, you got to dedicate yourself. You got to be a very open to, like, Twitch is a very, like, open platform. There's comments on the side. You, there's a constant viewer count, right? So you got to be, like, okay with failure. I've done a few, like, videos. Um, I'm a big gamer, as I mentioned before. And I've tried to kind of do the sports video game one. Like, I did, like, a simulation of how do Leafs can win the Stanley Cup once and kind of made a video on that. Um, I don't know if being live, whether it's on TV and sports or anything, is really my thing. I do like being a control freak. I do like having a bit of a some curation some buffer right to kind of just make me as comfortable as i know i can be um but 
also I kind of mentioned too uh, before about like splitting pleasure and like you know work. I think video games might just be something that is like my that you my can keep escape. in the pleasure yeah area. Yeah. Well, because like as much as you're saying, oh, I don't need to make a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is, the stuff you're doing is highly specialized skill. Do you're doing a job that a lot of people would be pretty envious about. Um, but it still opens up with your flexible schedule and the stuff you're looking at to do side income, which you are working on a few other passion projects. You too have a podcast that I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in and a new project. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about that before we wrap this up? Yeah, uh, I do a couple podcasts. If anyone's a big sports fan, I'll just do this one real quick. I have a podcast I do roughly every week. Sometimes we've cheated. Uh, it's called Tuesday Tailgate. I do it with my friend show who I mentioned uh, I met in my program. And we, our goal, this, it's a football podcast, NFL football. Our goal is to just kind of, we, we pitch each other what we think could be maybe the game of the year. And our job is to just kind of convince the other guy to add it to an ongoing list that we're going to kind of run by our, our work friends and fantasy football groups and kind of figure out what is the best game this year, like definitively. That's a fun one. My more like, uh, something I'm, a, I wouldn't say more proud of, but something I've been putting a lot of like, of my mind share into, even when I'm off the clock, all the time thinking about is, I call it pod drop. Um, and it's not traditional podcast in the sense that you guys release every other week, for mm -hmm. example, every Tuesday. Um, I've only released two batches. I called them two drops. I originally called them seasons, and then I realized that might be a little bit disingenuous considering they're only a few episodes, but think of them as a Netflix season, right? And, and I, the first season I did was about the streaming model and was kind of inspired by Netflix, so I thought it was appropriate. And the, the idea, the elevator pitch is I will tackle one big picture kind of topic through the lens of different areas of pop culture. In this case, I will talk about this one big picture through sports in one episode i'll talk about it through video games in another and then one episode i'll talk about it through hollywood call it tv or movies or it's whatever. such a cool idea it is cool and the goal is to make it evergreen i i have it like i said it's a couple seasons out now or a couple drops out so it's about six episodes plus a couple guide episodes i throw in there just to kind of like catch people up and suggest to them a, a one way they can consume it. It's not meant for a hardcore sports fans or hardcore video game fans. It's just about stories. The first one, like I said, it's about streaming. That one, um, a little bit more about business and stuff, but my most recent one I just released and I'm really proud about is about social media, something I think everyone kind of re relate to. It's a little bit of a darker way of looking at it, kind of the pitfalls of social media uh, if you want to use that term and I like this particular batch of episodes because it talks more about people it's like a little bit more I learned this about a lot too while doing sports doing watching sports that people watch sports for the people right they, they watch it for like their reactions and those are those real human moments and moments of like true human emotion that come from sports not necessarily that went top chat or whatever. Like that's that stuff's nice too, but it's a blend, and I'm really happy with the season. It's more that this guy put a top chat. Yes. What does it mean for this guy that he just went top chat? Exactly. How does he feel? How does the coach feel? How do the fans feel about it? Right. Like, um, really happy about the season. It, it's the the first bit of each episode is about five to ten minutes of a little bit more of a 
scripted performance. Um, I try to be natural, but the, there is something I'm kind of following here. It's heavily edited with music, but I kind of lay out the groundwork. Music. And I think, yeah, uh, well, it's, well, it's got to be done, you know, like you got to do quite a bit of research yeah. for these topics that you're talking about. I mean, sometimes so it's like 2000. It's not so much, can't be so much off the cuff. And then I bring on a guest. I try to bring on a guest who um, I've been lucky enough to have a few pretty you know high profile like for example in sports when i brought in keegan matheson he's like a pretty popular baseball toronto blue jays writer uh to kind of talk about it so i, I kind of lay out the groundwork at the top of the episode everyone's on the same page you don't need to be a sports fan or a video game fan right to get it i'm just gonna i'm gonna give you that information i'm gonna tell that story in a human way that everyone can appreciate it then i'm gonna bring on a bud to kind of break it down and get into the the cool nitty gritty off the cuff conversations that you guys are so good at so so i really like that when they're searching it up pod drop cool. two words pod we'll link it in the show yes, yes. We'll, we'll do all the links yes. and i was just thinking here um well first of all recommend both if you're into sports get into a sports one this pod drop idea i'm more excited about because i think it's such a creative cool uh cool idea and also mark is a super entertaining guy like honestly one of those like you'll laugh the entire time you're hanging with them guys and i was just thinking here this pod this podcast going a bit long and i know we 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 try to keep ourselves to a little bit of a limit but like fuck it like like let's just talk a little bit more let's wrap it up with some well some well, well mark's got to go to work shortly yeah, 10 minutes right? yeah um in 10 minutes so um, I, was, I was gonna say i would i would normally have cut it off right there oh uh, yeah but anyway uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> um one thing one thing i'm curious about you you mentioned something about your house one thing that's like come up to bite you in the ass and i want to know what this is it's the roof. It was the roof. So the, the kind, roof. Of a, kind of a funny story, I guess. So um, we are in a townhouse. We have one on the right of us, two on the left of us. And we get kind of like, I was going to say DP'd, not the right word. We get kind of, <laughs> we get, we get kind of like, fucked from both it's sides. coming from both sides. We have our neighbors who kind of come up and say like, we're going to do our roofs. You're the roof in between us. Right. So like yeah. for, a, for a laborer to have to like go down and, yeah. not cross our like there's a financial benefit to us all doing it at the same time and i'm like okay yeah 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 close the door i talk to Amelia. i'm like they're coming at us they're forcing us to like do this roof it's not the right time we don't need it i don't want to do it screw this and then it like rained the next day and my kitchen's like wet i wake up and there's like water coming i'm like you know what so maybe that roof maybe it's a good time right <laughs> um so of course like you get it done and like that's just like and that is probably the the best example of the the owning a house like it just comes and you you can't you know this this tornado just tears through your place like not realistically not literally but and you just got to deal with it at that time it's not like living in the frat house where it's like just call al williams and and he'll send yeah. over someone to yeah. fix it for you yeah. and uh you know luckily you took something out of the line of credit and i've been paying it off since i mean that we did that in the june i think we've been paying off you know 500 a thousand bucks every month for every to try to get it off and it's like it's a grind you know you really have to be on top of your budgeting if you're ever going to buy a house you have to be like you have to know every single bill you have to know your taxes your mortgage your car payments everything and i'm not like a traditionally i didn't go to school for business or finance or all that but um i I, I'm cheap and I like to like look at my count my money and all that yeah. too. So it's like, that's never changed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's something that I've just kind of like had to grab by the horns, I guess, and worry about the house finance. But uh, that roof came. Can, so can we, can we lighten it up? I want to talk about some memories I have. Um, 
again, you guys brought this up earlier in the podcast. We kind of glanced over it, but one of my favorite memories was when you and Tim, so Tim Stewart, the same guy from that story at that conference, uh, you guys lived together and um, jokingly made a competition uh, who could get fatter over the summer. <laughs> and uh, he, he undoubtedly won and also never stopped. Uh, which still was, going on to this day. Which was hilarious. But I remember one competition you guys did. I don't know if it was part of the same competition, but there was something called Meatzilla in oh, London. Oh, yeah. I was so close. Oh, my God. So can you describe what Meatzilla is? So Meatzilla was like a $40 <laughs> burger you could buy at, uh, it was called... Winks. Winks. Uh, Winks. 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 Yeah. Yes. Uh, cool bar. Well, not cool, but a karaoke <laughs> bar down the street from the frat house. And it was like a $40. It was like... I think Six was, pounds, I believe. It was eight strips of bacon. It was a two-pound patty, two pounds of pulled pork, um, and fries. a bunch of fries. And if you could eat it, you get it for free. My eyes lit up when I heard that. Like, free? <laughs> um, I mean, you can't buy a house unless you get some free food here on, you know, here and there. I think, so, you know, I got a couple of pictures of it on my phone. I will also link that in the show cool, notes. Okay. And if you win, they take a picture and they put you on the wall of glory. If you lose, they take a picture and they put it on the wall. And, and for some reason, I ended up going in like, it was like, in December, and I was wearing like shorts and like half a football jersey that was torn up or something because I lost a bet leading in. I think it was like, regardless, there I am eating this burger, and everyone thought Tim was gonna do better than me. But yeah, they didn't know I'm like, I'm sneaky. I can I can eat a lot. <laughs> um, sure enough, he pukes. About you have about thirty minutes to do it too, I think, and I'm about twenty five minutes in, and there's just not there's no room in the tank no like it's just you eat it and you can like already feel it like like piling (laughs) yeah Yeah. there's like literally no room in the tank and i had to go i puked i destroyed that bathroom oh it wasn't it wasn't fries it was poutine yes oh yeah it's poutine and you know what though it was also bad it was like like, you know the burger wasn't like it was like a little overcooked (laughs) you don't want like a chewy burnt burger point is i i puked and I, i came back to my table and i looked at what i had left and it was like it was like someone had ate, like when you're eating it and you see and it's just like this burger left and you're full and there's nothing left it felt like it was but you got pretty a, close i came back and i just took two bites and i like finished it well i remember because we went out to cobra after that night and i don't know if it was you or tim i can't remember because i always got blackout at cobra but one of you guys was there in the booth and the meat sweats were so uh, that sounds real. like a tim story it was tim i'm pretty sure tim was sitting there he was trying to enjoy himself <laughs> but he was meat sweating so bad at the club that like it looked like he was sitting in a sauna he was sitting in the corner of the booth like he was like beating sweat from a sauna brutal brutal um and the other thing i wanted to bring up was a road trip because we trip? did a pretty fucking epic road trip uh, Robbie, me, Mark, Logan, and Smeaton. Smeaton's been on the sh- uh, show as well. So f- f- people from the podcast plus Logan, which honestly wouldn't be a bad guest to have on to. That guy's fucking nuts. Um, we did a road trip, 3,600 kilometers, five different frat houses in a week, all the way down to Atlanta, Georgia, and Without back. calling a single one before we left. Just based on the fact that we're in a fraternity, we rented a Mazda 3, the thing was riding low. I'm talking five big frat bodies, like like big bodies in this car. I remember we pull out of the rental place. Immediately, I get pulled over for texting and driving. Um, and uh, I had lied to the rental company because they make you pay like 20 bucks a day for U.S. C- car insurance. But I read online that if you're going to the States at all for one day, they have to put it on for the entire trip. Uh, so I just said I was going down for one day to do some shopping and then I was going to shoot over to Prince Edward Island. With like the 
I mean, going, oh, we're going to Buffalo to shopping. That's like a, something people said in like 2002. Like the dollars are not like in a place right now where you know it makes what? sense. Fuck, whatever. <laughs> I just said, we're going to go to Buffalo for a day and then we're driving out to PEI because I knew it was going to be similar kilometer wise. It, it was about five minutes before you got that ticket that we got to the, uh, I mean, this isn't a cool story, but it's one of my self-deprecating ones. We got into the rental place and they had like a hand sanitizer. You remember this? Yes. And there was like, you ever know when those hand sanitizer pumps, sometimes it dries up on a little part. And I go up to him like, oh, hand sanitizer. And I squeeze it and it goes directly into my eye. Like That's our trip started. He he literally walk in like, yes, we're professionals. We'd like to rent a car. And he hits the pump and it squirted in the eye at the counter. So he was dealing with that. I'm lying to the concierge. Um, and we get the car thing. We pick up the guys. We're rolling down the main street, and I get pulled over for texting and driving. And I think that my lie has to correspond with the cop's story. So, so it doesn't I, really have to, but it, it doesn't it, have to. But so he's like, "Where are you guys headed?" I'm like, "Buffalo, to do some shopping." He's like, "Shopping, eh?" He goes, he's like, he looks in the car. There's five people. The thing's <laughs> riding so low. Some of the luggage in the luggage is in the back seat. He's like, uh, "It doesn't look like you have much room to go shopping." I was like. Uh, you're right, officer. I was like, we're going there to party. He's like, partying in Buffalo? He's like, you're not even going the right direction. I was like, you're right, sir. We're going on a frat road trip. <laughs> I was like, I lied. I don't know what you want me to say. As if like getting going shopping was going to get rid of the tickets. I was, like, I, I was like, I lied to the rental company. I was like, I don't know what to do. And he's just like, oh, he's like, you know, I don't care. He's like, be safe, guys. By the way, Detroit's that way. Uh, so we went down. We stopped at Lexington, Kentucky. Nashville. We were at Vanderbilt there. We went to South Carolina. You missed Atlanta. Sorry, we went to Atlanta, then South Carolina, then West Virginia. And this was a fucking trip of a lifetime. It's a whole pod in itself. It was a whole, you know what? That is a whole pod in itself. And maybe let's save it. It's a whole pod. That was you like. You tell many stories from that trip. I don't think. I don't think you could recreate that if you tried. The stories that came out with it, like, like just a preview, like rolling up to a West Virginia town. Um, it's in the mountains. The, the houses are all up on the hill. We've never been here. It's nighttime. The we car have- is low riding so much, it, it gets stuck. It bottoms out going over one of the hills. <laughs> we get high centered on the hills and yeah. uh, we roll in there. We have no contact. We have nobody to stay with. We have no money for hotels. And uh, we just pull up to where we know the frat house is based on the fraternity map. And there's a there's a car that had slid off the driveway into the backyard. So the, the driveway is up on the hill behind the house and the house is down just a hill. And a BMW had slid into the backyard. The house is all dark. And uh, we, we start walking up to the back door. And do you remember the guy opening up the back door and going, who the fuck are you guys? And why the fuck are you on our property? And uh, we're like, whoa, like just a couple of Canadians. Uh, we're, we're, we're SIGs from Canada. And the guy was like, you picked a you picked a hell of a fucking night to come, boys. Come on in, holy shit! They let's just say, what can we say to like paint a little bit of a picture without telling the story? Uh, it was the night that they were welcoming new pledges, I believe. Yeah, and by yeah. welcoming, maybe a multi thousand dollars stripper fest. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was, it was, yeah. like, like allegedly. Yeah. By, by welcoming, do you mean like fucking abusing? <laughs> yeah, obliterating. I'll, I'll, let's just say multi thousand dollar sex show stripper fest um, with some sort of cash reigning situation. The the pledge is getting so fucked up. I remember one pledge walking over to the keg, f- 
passing out on his way to the keg and going face first into the ice bucket and not recovering. USA! Yeah. USA! <laughs> so he was just face down in the ice bucket, like would have drowned. And then a brother just like pulled him out by his collar and they dragged him up like a war victim. They dragged him up by his shoulders up the stairs and out of sight. And Oh, and then I remember seeing him on the couch later. He had dicks drawn all over his face. <laughs> <laughs> and I have pictures on my phone still. So that was just one of the five nights. And I don't think he even like does it justice if we were to go into more detail. But... Let's just say we had a lot of good times. Um, the fraternity, as Mark said, as much as people dish on it, as much as we self-deprecate it, it's how I learned how to run a business. It's how I learned how to manage people. You can use it for connections. It was such a it was s- such a beneficial thing, minus the fact that all my friends are hard partiers now. The, it's still even the Ben Jurjeviches and the non-hard partiers like the Marks and the, and the people doing they're all still fraternity buddies it was a spectrum heavily focused on the partying but with these extremes at either end that are like really unique uh, yeah I, f- I feel like in some ways it's probably leveled us out a little more at this stage right because people go through uh, different trajectories of partying you know it's like in university there's more of the school focused types and they don't really uh, experience that and then afterwards once they get uh, into full-time jobs they're more the weekend warriors right going out mm-hmm. and, uh, d- and doing their thing and you know it, it kind of I, I feel like it kind of leveled us out in a way you know you get that out in university and then you're more like party for a lifetime now it, we don't even yeah where you yeah, we're just like more pick and choose. I mean, it's probably um, in part uh, due to like kind of the lifestyle you and, you and I I live right now with our flexibility of schedules and such. But um, but yeah, that's different temperament, talents, and convictions. Yeah, that's what they say. And it was a good time. Um, Mark, you're the goat. It was actually really nice catching up, man. I haven't seen you since um, since the wedding. Since the wedding. Has it been that long? Yeah, but a year and a half what was that. Two years? Uh, year and a bit. Year, year and a couple months. Year and a couple months. Didn't take long for me to put a baby in her. No, dude. <laughs> um, what do you have? One last thing. Do you have any names, guy, girl in the mind? I was gonna ask you that. Oh, uh, I can't say him. What? Like, she like, kill me. But like, gun to your head, what would your first choices be? Right. What, now? Yeah, just what are your choices? Is um, what I'm saying. Not not what you're actually gonna. What were what were some of those? Because uh, God knows your choices what, are like. Secondary. What were some of those founders called in the fraternity? Benjamin Pyatt Runkle. Bingo. Oh, no, actually no, man. Man, probably didn't come out as a boy, but Stan, Stan, Stan Yush, I think is great ring to after, it. Uh, after, after Stan, Stan Lee, Lee, your idol. Oh yeah, great All right, <laughs> I only Instagram like once every three months, so when I do, people like really listen. Oh yeah, They're like oh, this is something big. <laughs> oh, yeah, he what cares. If, what about girl? If it's a girl, um, <sighs> Zoe. Zoe, like the same. Zoe's, Zoe's not, Zoe's not going to be around forever, <laughs> so we got to keep the it, it alive. I was gonna say something savage, like the name of a certain girl I can remember from. Uh, I was trying to think of the same <laughs> thing. We'll, we'll leave it there. We'll Rise with Odessa. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Mark, you're the goat. Thanks for coming on. He's actually going to work right now to chop up a Raptors game. Check his stuff out. Check his links out. Creep him on social media. If you want to send him some hate DMs, he loves it. Just send him his way. He chirps back. Um, anything else to say? No, I think that covers it. Mark, it's been a pleasure. Been a pleasure. Super fun catching up. Best of luck with everything coming your way in the future. And um, and you know, let's let's do this again soon. For, for sure. Because sure. this uh, this is pretty easy for you. Oh yeah. Before work, 
in the future and there's tons more we could talk about a lot of meat on the bone yeah so all right guys and i guess we'll see you next next tuesday